Welcome to the Industry Insider, brought to you by Promo Corner. Each week, promotional product professionals Meg Erber, Jeff Franklin, and Stephen McFadden, along with special guests, will discuss industry news, trends, and events with a focus on educating the promotional products industry. The Industry Insider, the nerdy news you need to know. Welcome back to yet another exciting episode of the Industry Insider, your promotional products podcast where you can get all the nerdy news you need to know about. My name is Jeff Franklin, National Accounts Manager with Hidware USA, and I'm joined today by three other lovely folks. But of course, before we get to them, we got to tell you about our fine sponsors for today. Greater Pacific is your full-service creative agency. Their experience comes from thousands of custom projects completed for clients for over two decades with ex uh, expertise in promotional products in the Advertising Specialties Institute, the custom OEM, product design, project management, CPSIA compliance, product testing, and full-service logistics. They've done it all and become more effective with every opportunity. Greater Pacific creates the ultimate manufacturing experience for their clients. So go visit greaterpacific.com today. Tell them the industry insider sent you. Yeah, why don't we say hey to Stephen McFadden. How are you doing today, sir? Doing awesome. I'm uh, rocking a new polo that... Uh, That's a, SNS, a really uh, sharp polo. I know. Thank you, Meg and SNS. This is uh, pretty sweet. Adidas has, has become probably my favorite brand of recent. So Aww. I'm... Uh, yeah, just I said that just because I'm on the air with you, Meg. So. <laughs> Adidas awesome. would definitely be my favorite brand of of all the major brands there as well. Is that the uh, is that the the black, Stephen? It is. You have the navy. Nice. Jeff. Yep. Yeah, navy. I, I got that one in navy. I love mm -hmm. that polo. It's awesome. It's, it's slick. It is. And oh, oh wait, oh wait, Meg always asks you how you are. I'm a Sealheart Thunder. How are you, Jeff? Thanks, brother. I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. So yeah, look, you're looking like a million bucks with that polo so you know mm. excited to excited to be here for another episode meg erber how are you doing today i'm doing wonderful <laughs> very good Glad yeah, to hear it's it. nice out i mean it's a little cold but i've got layers on today so yeah don't break well, it is it is it nice or is it a little cold i mean it's both the sun is shining which is nice <laughs> but very it's well. a little cold <laughs> Very well. Well, look, we are joined today by a very special guest, Brad Brower, a little bit outside of our ordinary guests here. We're going full end user. Uh, we brought in an expert in Nexus. Uh, you know, as you guys would probably remember, we've discussed Nexus in the past uh, briefly when it first came out. And uh, so we brought Brad in, uh, guest of Stephen, and really excited to have you on, Brad. But before we get started into the topic, it is sort of customary, or originally would be customary for us to give our guests a, a good three to four minutes to introduce yourself and maybe how you got started in the commercial products industry. But since you're uh, sort of an end user and not in our industry, I would love to know maybe uh, how you first came about our industry or got your first exposure to the commercial products industry. Yeah. And first of all, thanks so much for having me on today. I appreciate it, Jeff, Stephen, and Meg. And um, really, when it comes to, to what I do in my first experience with promotional products, I actually work for a company. And, and within my segment, we support a lot of businesses that focus in the promotional products segment. So um, my personal experience is when it comes to as an end user receiving promotional products or, or things of that nature, but also my business, we utilize and, and we partner with businesses like yours um, to help send out our types of merchandise to our clients uh, or potential clients for that matter. So um, that's a little bit of my experience on that um, from that front. But when it comes to in my professional career, I actually um, work for a company called Avalara and we focus in 
uh, supporting businesses in automating their tax compliance needs. And so through that, I support a segment of about 8,000 clients. And so there is a subset of customers that actually fall into that space. And so um, today we're going to kind of talk about that impact and, and really what um, the tax implications for those types of businesses potentially could be. Sure. So before we get started, why don't you give us just a brief uh, update or a, I guess a recap of what Nexus is and where this all sort of originated and started. Meg, Meg yeah. needs a, a, a recap. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, when it comes to uh, Nexus, it's actually a business's obligation to collect and remit. And so there's a number of ways businesses could um, potentially create that obligation. So anytime they create, anytime they create a sell or even a potential sell, um, what their customer uh, would have to do is, is pay that sales tax if they have a quote nexus obligation um, with the potential state or particular state they're selling into. And so really where nexus came about, um, everyone's really familiar with that physical presence obligation, right? If you have an employee, um, that obviously creates an obligation for you to have to remit um, what you, uh, tax on what you sell into that state. But there's a lot of other um, ways that have come about here recently um, that really broadens that scope um, for businesses to have to focus on. And so obviously we know the physical presence obligation. We know if you store goods in a warehouse or you have physical goods in a warehouse in that state, that could create a nexus obligation for your business. Um, or if you attend trade shows, you're sending physical representatives from your business to solicit sales, right? At this trade show, you're marketing or you're um, trying to grow your business through that outreach. That also is a potential nexus creating activity. But what we saw in 2018 and what businesses are being mostly impacted by is this court case called South Dakota v. Wayfair. So I'm sure everybody's very familiar with Wayfair, the online shopping superstore, right? Um, well, what tended to happen when Wayfair started um, becoming so big is businesses like a Walmart or a Target, they were becoming a bit frustrated to say, hey, Wayfair can sell, sell the same patio furniture that we sell in our store, but since they don't have to charge tax, and we do, that creates an unfair competitive advantage um, against our business. And so there was actually a court case, South Dakota v. Wayfair, where they said, hey, we believe that Wayfair should have to charge tax um, based on how much they sell in our state, so South Dakota. And what that uh, Supreme Court determination was, if you sell over $200,000 in products or services into our state or 200 individual transactions, then you have now created a economic nexus and you now have to collect and remit in our state. Um, and so what we saw the year following that is that almost every state picked up the same rule um, and now a lot of business has to be responsible for this. And so that's kind of the nuts and the bolts that came with that Supreme Court case and, and uh, the gist of the economic nexus impact and what we see today. And I think it's so important specifically in our industry because we're, we're not geographically bound. You know, we, we sell, you know, Jeff and Meg represent the, the supplier side of things and they sell to distributors probably in all 50 states. Um, you know, I 51. Did you well, add no. a state, Meg? I would say plus Canada and then oh, okay. and Puerto Rico. And I was like, I was like we have North. breaking news. There is a 51st state. In there. Um, uh, DC, but, uh, DC's finally a state, guys. Media, um, eh? Yeah. So, you know, but from a, a distributor standpoint too, you know, we, we're not bound by, by distance, right? Our suppliers are all over the country. Our clients are very mobile. They're all over the country. And, 
it really has impacted businesses. Uh, you know, Jeff, I know you like to talk about how many of, of the promotional industry is small business, right? But that's a huge impact when all of a sudden you may now, you know, economically qualify to have to, to collect and remit sales tax for a state that you don't even live in anymore. So it used to be an advantage that we would use pre you know, probably 2019 when I'd be like, yeah, oh, by the way, we also can save you because we're not going to, we don't have to charge you tax. And that would be a competitive advantage for being out of state, selling out of state. Now it's an even playing field where most of my quotes, I have to then say, oh yeah. And here's the, here's the estimated tax on your order. They're like, well, for years, people are like, well, we're out of state. I'm like, not anymore. Like, it doesn't matter. Like we, you know, we sell enough into, into, Georgia and down to South Carolina, obviously we're in North Carolina, Florida, California, Texas. I'm like all those places we have to now do it. So, you know, Brad's a great resource here because he, his, it's impossible to track that. You know, it's a lot of small businesses, Jeff, like we don't have tons of employees that can monitor all the changing legislations, all the different percentages, all the different qualifications and Avalara, we've actually seen it and we use it. Um, it's, it's got an API link with our CRM where it's now tracking all that. So that's something that's, you know, I know we talk about how the industry has evolved th through COVID, but it's also evolved through like governmental changes. Right. And, um, you can't do it without systems now. I, I don't think it'd be possible, Brad. Like, could, could you imagine trying to track it like manually? Like, I, yeah. I don't know if you could. <laughs> and just to get some context to that, um, you know, just inside of the U.S., there's 18,000 different jurisdictions that would say, hey, depending on what you sell, how you sell it, and where you sell it, the treatment of those, those particular products and services would be treated differently. Um, and what we saw through, you know, we call it kind of the COVID time period is that the um, global marketplace really shrunk, right? A lot of businesses kind of started popping up. We saw a lot more of these small to medium sized businesses start selling through different functions such as Amazon or um, which there's a next rule called um, Amazon Fulfillment Services and those types of things with facilitator nexus. So if you have other businesses that are promoting your product, selling your product, they may be facilitating these types of sales on your behalf. So with these 18,000 jurisdictions and the different roles that align with um, the types of products and content that you sell, um, it's pretty much impossible to manage that. And that's really where, you know, our company, Avalair, comes in and says, hey, we have the content built to manage every single scenario you could be in. I, I know, Meg, you brought up your distributors, right? Or you may even um, be, if you um, have manufactured products or you're, you're selling to resellers, right? You're not going to charge them tax, but you may actually have some exempt parameters that you have to focus on and account for. So it also manages that. So there's a lot of different functions um, that happen to, in order to maintain and run your business. We don't want the business owners to have to focus on that. We want to make, we want you to focus on the things you really like to do and enjoy doing, and that's building your business, promoting to your customers and expanding your reach, not um, dealing with the Department of Revenue or the government. <laughs> so this seems like very overwhelming for someone who just like, to me, I'm like already my heart's racing, thinking about, oh my gosh, do I owe sales tax somewhere? Like, so is there somewhere, is there like a central location that Jeff can put up on the ticker, maybe like a, a website or is there somewhere with that we can send the distributors or any, I guess anyone in this industry that's looking um, a place that we can, you can yeah, I don't know, track and register all this. Yeah, I'll certainly add that. We actually have a really amazing site that says identify where you, your triggers are, right? And it lets kind of gives you a guide of the main parameters. Do I have to focus on economic? Do I have to focus on physical presence? Um, but it really leads you through a Q&A um, that helps you um, delineate what do I even need to be thinking about? 
some businesses don't even know where to start. They may need more of a consultative approach. So um, I see, see um, the link that was put there. This will certainly walk you through the state-by-state -state guide. Um, so you can kind of narrow it down and then you can always engage a resource like myself or one of my partners um, here at Avalara to, to help um, you know, walk you down that path. Um, at the end of the day, we want to we want to make this as least taxing, right, on on there, um, <laughs> when you <as> possible. <laughs> so basically, you have a an assessment that someone could take, right, and that'll kind of point them in the right direction. Is that correct? Your, correct. Okay. Tell um, us a little bit about this assessment. Like, what are you looking for to help? Um, like, I don't know. Just walk us through. Like, is there something? Is there like triggers that you would be like, okay, this is. Exactly. There's certainly, there's certainly ones that are very obvious. I think economics is the most obvious because it's a dollar amount. If you sell a certain amount or if you have a certain amount of transactions, that's a gimme. But there's a lot that aren't. And so what our assessment is going to do is we're just going to ask you a few questions about your business. How do you create a sale? Do you attend a trade show? Do you sell through different channels or partnerships? Um, what types of products um, do you sell? These are all questions that are applicable to helping determine um, where you need to look at. We actually call this a nexus study, a review of your business practices. And then we uh, create a really great report to say, in these states, you've created an obligation where you now need to focus on registering and remitting. Um, and then we make recommendations along, alongside of that. But it's a really detailed report around your business. So you know without a, you know, without a doubt, here's where my focus needs to be and this is where my gaps potentially are. Um, and so obviously we would call that exposure, right? Do you have an exposure in your business? So we try to protect you um, before you get too far down the road. Well, Brad, you had mentioned sure. uh, like the, the exempt status. Like, so if you're selling to a reseller, the reseller is the one that's going to be uh, responsible for the sales and use tax, right? So, uh, or, or in what scenario is that not the case? Very interesting and great question, Jeff. Actually, if you sell, right, you're the seller, you're selling to your reseller, you're responsible for the tax or the law would say if it's a reseller, they should be providing you a resale certificate, right? So they should say, hey, I'm a reseller, here's my certificate, so you don't charge me tax. But if you don't actually get that certificate, the government would say you didn't get the proper documentation, so you're actually responsible if you sold to a actual um, you know, normal organization um, because you didn't actually get that resale certificate. So when it comes to the resale, you're, you, the business, are responsible for the tax if you do not receive a valid resale certificate. It's like you're yeah. uh, obligated until you aren't. <laughs> so for, for the suppliers in the industry, we're, I mean, I would say that all of us, but I'm sure that's not the case, but for most suppliers, you're selling to distributors. So uh, that being said, you're selling to re resellers. And I, Meg, I don't know how SNS is, but I know for us, like through the application process to set up an account, you do have to provide your resale, resale certificate. Yep. So, yep. you know, I'm sure that that covers it for however long. Right, exactly. And, and I think the big thing that when it comes to the resale process is what's the impact on, to my customer, right? What's the customer experience like? Because in most scenarios, you, you know, a salesperson will go and say, hey, I'm selling this to my reseller, but before I can even process that transaction, can you jump through a million hoops to get me a resale certificate? Typically, that end user that you're selling to doesn't have it on hand. They're not like, oh, here it is. This is really simple for me. And so what the software allows you to do is get that at the actual point of checkout or the point that the sale is being created. Um, so you don't have to um, delay being able to process that order or say, hey, what document do I need to provide to you, Meg? What, you know, what's actually the parameters you need in order to, to uh, finalize the sale? So the software helps pick, um, it has a matrix that helps pick, this is what I need from you in order to stay compliant. What, one of the things I think that is, I would say equally as important of, as tracking it um, 
once you owe, but it's tracking it to figure out when you might owe. Um, because we we went through this as a, as a company, and I, I guess this would be like my PSA. Like you, you have to have some sort of pulse of where you're selling and why you're selling, because once you reach those thresholds, you can't just automatically start collecting the tax. You have to be certified, like you have to then go apply to be able to collect the tax from those states. So like going into like this year, we were we were looking at different states and said, okay, we're probably going to hit the the financial or the economic threshold in Texas. We didn't last year, but if our business increases by 10 or 20%, we will this year. So going into the year, like we went and, and you registered so that way we could, because what you don't want to have happen is you aren't collecting sales tax all year and find out then you went over the threshold. You can't then go back and invoice everybody for sales taxes throughout the year, right? That becomes an obligation of the company to pay all the sales tax for the whole year things you didn't know so it's almost like you have to have a really good pulse on what the future of your company could look like to know if you need to owe this so you can start collecting it on on their behalf and then paying it back to the state wow um, that's it's so basically like so you that's that, i mean that, you put that's a good way to look at it so if you're an online company and you service all 50 states you have to have this registration and i guess in every in every state well i mean if you don't think you know if you're if you only did you know a hundred dollars in orders in one of the states okay i wouldn't worry about trying to okay. to go get registered if the threshold is two hundred thousand or five hundred thousand okay right you, or two hundred orders right right so, okay, exactly yeah. okay. but if you look at your you know history of sales and see like i did 198 po's you know at one hundred ninety five thousand dollars last year I would get ready to collect, you know, yeah. you know, you're probably, I did it. Don't worry. Tax yeah. people that are looking yeah. at me. I did. I definitely did it. Yeah, <laughs> I did no, no, all no. of my taxes. <laughs> a very expensive yeah. account for that. <laughs> it's, that bread, Meg. it's kind of like a point in time um, type of calculation, right? So if you're saying, Hey, I'm getting really close. I probably should be proactive in my approach to go ahead and register with that state. Because once I cross that, that threshold, I am now responsible. And so that's not something that you want to eat out of pocket or, or pay, um, you know, out of your profit margin. It's, it's something you definitely want to pass on, um, you know, to your buyer um, through a legal manner. And is that, is that economic threshold 200,000 or 200 transactions for every state or is it individual based on the state? Cause that was the, I know that was the biggest yeah. concern was, you know, how is a small mom and pop that's handling every aspect of their business going to be able to know the tax laws in all 50 states that they're selling into, know what those thresholds are. And then like you said, Stephen, go through all the freaking paperwork. Cause let's face it, it's not fun or easy to go through government paperwork and get set up for that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So what I mean, is that something that, you know, federally we're trying to push through as a like a congruent? <laughs> consistent? You know, I, I, Jeff, you asked the best questions. Um, and the short answer is that um, the states have the ability to determine what their thresholds and what the rules are going to be. Right. Um, so they utilize the Supreme Court case to say, hey, economic next is a thing. So if I want it to be one dollar, I want it to be a million dollars. I can choose that right within my state. But what we see the majority the majority, not all, um, are is there, the threshold is 200,000. But for instance, when um, this court case first happened, Georgia was had the highest revenue threshold, five hundred thousand dollars, right? But they began to see that hey, all these other states are benefiting from a lower threshold. So within about four months of them rolling out their first, um, you know, threshold band, they dropped it down to a hundred thousand. Um, so typically, we're gonna you're gonna see that 200,000 or 200 transactions is a good rule of thumb 
but in the website that you guys have on the ticker, it goes through every single state. And some states would say, hey, your exempt sales do not include that in your threshold. So if you're selling 100,000 exempt and 100,000 um, you know, um, commercial, then you're only going to account for your 100,000. But some states would say, hey, even your exempt sales are included in your threshold, which can really impact some of these and there, so the platform we use, um, which happens to be the uh, Avalar as well, it'll actually kind of color code and like it give us almost heat maps. Like it'll show like, okay, we're green for all these. There's yellows, meaning we're approaching the triggers and there's reds and stuff that would show we've passed the trigger point for these. And it'll start calculating how much we owe and, you know, we'll kind of help prepare us so we don't have to know all those legislations. It's got all those rules built into the system. Um, so that that's why I would say if you're doing any significant volume, Avalara, any of the other, I mean, you got to have something, I think, to track it, right? I mean, it's, like you said, 18,000 permutations, and it may not even be financial. Like, there could be these weird nuanced rules in different counties of different percentages and different, you know, it's, it's so, it's impossible, I think, for one person to probably keep up with, especially if you get to a certain size where you're doing significant business. So, um, so, so Stephen, you recommend yeah. this for just mostly distributors? You would say because suppliers are probably so big that they already are dealing with something like this. Yeah, like a small distributor, maybe, or the small business, or. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that if if you if you're, you know, I don't want to say it only applies to the larger ones, but you know, it does have to meet certain thresholds where it counts. But even things like if I have a sales rep that doesn't live in my state. And they live in a different state. Well, now I have Nexus in that state because if that state is a physical presence, Nexus state. So like just having someone review it with you would probably be smart. I'm, I'm saying all this stuff because I know like this much about it. But I think I'm I think I'm accurate in saying there are so many different rules where, you know, if I exhibit at a trade show in a different state, because that's where a lot of my customers come to, even though I don't sell that much in other places that could even help qualify me in that state, you know, mm. not help, I guess, hurt qualify me, for but, um, but yeah, and there's so many rules. I don't know that, I, you know, one person should have to try to memorize it. I think you just would have to, to make a personal company decision and say, we probably just need to at least review this periodically or have someone look at it for us periodically. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. So yeah. are you only paying taxes then on the $201,000 and beyond? Is that how that works? So the first two hundred thousand is tax free. That would be accurate if you're not registered, right? So right. let's say the example Stephen gave in 2022, right? I only sold one hundred ninety thousand dollars, but I was projecting to grow twenty percent. So I wanted to be proactive in 2023. He wouldn't actually be responsible for collecting or remitting that tax until he hit that two hundred and one dollars, right. and then from that point forward, those sales would be taxable. Those sales would need to be remitted. And then what about the following year then? Once you're once you're registered, you're registered until you no longer hit that threshold. And let's say you don't you no longer have a nexus obligation, you can't deregister from the state to stop yeah. the impact of having to collect sales tax. But to your point, Jeff, that following year I'd be collecting on all of them because mm -hmm. I've I've registered to collect and I'm projected to collect. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So in that, I mean, that's that, that in and of itself is difficult. Cause I mean, if you sell one year, like if you got a trade show or something that you're selling to somebody and it ends up going into like, you will just use Texas as an example, Stephen, like, you know, and you sell $250,000 worth of stuff into that trade show, you know, that's that year you would qualify, but maybe the trade show goes to a different state the following year or whatever. <laughs> so you have to, you're constantly registering and deregistering. Is that well, it would also determine like where you're shipping the goods and where you're billing the goods to as well. Right, Brad? Like if I'm 
in Texas, but this is a company based in Florida, you know, and I'm shipping everything to Florida. It would be a Florida thing, not a Texas thing. Although if I then went and did stuff in Texas, it could be a Texas thing. It's, right. it's kind of complicated, but. Yeah, and most, <laughs> so. most states are destination, right? They're going to base their sales tax on yeah. where the product is going or where the business is located, where that invoicing address is. Um, but to your point, Jeff, I, I believe you're talking about registering and deregistering. Most states would say there's a statute of limitation. So you may have sold $250,000 into Texas in 2022, and your expectation only sell $50,000 in 2023. Well, they say, hey, give me six months for you to prove that before you can even apply for your deregistration. Jesus. <laughs> hey, what, one thing I don't want to miss, because uh, you mentioned something to me uh, when we last chatted that I thought was really interesting. There's something about, uh, is it e-commerce nexus or like digital marketing nexus now or yeah. something? So there's what's it's called newer. a quick nexus. And what we're seeing become more popular is I'm sure if you guys have any form of social media, anytime you say, hey, I'm going to look at a lawnmower. Now you're getting John Deere, um, you know, ads that are popping up on your Instagram. Well, what happens is, they, if you click that link to take you to the John Deere website, they have now solicited your engagement, right, through a third party, right, or a partner. So Instagram has directed them to um, your site to create a transaction. And so this is what's called click through Nexus, which is an indirect referral to my business, which also in a lot of states could create an obligation for you now to have to collect in the state where that buyer is located. Does that mean now your business also has to... I'm lost. Never mind. Death, death and taxes. <laughs> I was going to go good. back and back and back, but I was already All we lost. need to know is death and taxes. That's yes. the only two things that are certain, right? Yeah. Um, but, but again, I think the point that we make is that it's, this is extremely complex. Yeah. There was yes. over a million changes. It's not just, hey, I figured it out for 22. Yay, go me. Well, well there's now <laughs> changes. There's a million changes that happen. So how does that impact my business going forward? And so what our solution allows you to do is we manage that content. So the date that something changes based on the parameters you've built around your business, we go ahead and change it in our system. So you're constantly compliant and you're not having to worry about, let me manage these changes. Let me work, you know, think about all the rules that, that are going to change in the places that I sell. We just do that for you. Um, so, so it takes it off your plate. Um, inevitably, nobody goes to grad school to figure out sales and use tax. Typically, that's going to be accounting, <laughs> finance, right? Kind of you, you really just stumble into um, that that venue and you try to say, hey, does my CPA, you know, know how to account for this? And most of the time that CPA is like, I'm really good in Washington. Like, I really understand sales and use around Washington because that's where I spent most of my career, not Florida. Um, so, so it's really hard to find a person that, that knows it all because of, of the complexity and the changes. Well, this is perfect timing. I mean, taxes are due. They're right around the corner. So uh, you should, everybody should call Brad. <laughs> Don't try yeah, to figure we, it out yourself. That's the whole we, point we of the podcast. We love support call you. Uh, and hopefully at the end of the day, make life really, really simple um, for a lot of these businesses. Um, we, we really focus in more of that um, SMB space um, because those are, I think, the businesses that need the most help, right? Either, uh, you know, I'm one person and I'm managing, you know, I, I wear 50 different hats. This is not the hat that I that I really hope that I would wear, and so we try to come in and really support those types of businesses. All right, very Sounds cool. Good. <laughs> uh, so, any other updates regarding Nexus that we should be aware of, or did we pretty much cover most of it, Brad? I think those are the ones that are most important, the ones you're probably going to be impacted by uh, most often. Right. Thank you, Brad. Hey, you, Jeff. You say it—the nerdy news, man. This was a nerdy news one. This is well, nerdy news to keep Uncle Sam <laughs> off your back. I mean, there you like, go, not Uncle Sam. What's what, what do we call state government? Is that like Brother Ben? Like yeah, like 
don't know. I don't want to say. You, it. Yeah, I'm like, really I'm not, I'm not gonna that. go to it. Like, if I'm you guys really want to get into it. There's actually local jurisdictions as well. And for instance, like Alabama has over 100 local jurisdictions. So not only do you have to worry about the state, but you have to worry about the localities as well. So there's a number of states that have localities that have their own rules and regulations, but we'll save that for another time. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's, that's not just sales and use either. Like we, we just moved it back in 2020 from Maryland to Pennsylvania, just across the state line. Like we're, I mean, it's not even 10 minutes from where we used to be, but just the state laws and, and, and taxes and everything. And I still work for a company that's in Maryland. So it's a reciprocal state, but ultimately it doesn't matter because I still have to pay my uh, federal, state and local municipality taxes and it's handled differently. See, in Maryland, they would actually collect everything right out of your check for local and state. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't do that here in PA. So I, I kind of had to pay some back taxes. Yeah, definitely not fun. So, Next week's but... guest is the FBI, Jeff. You'll be happy to know. So <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, good thing I've got my uh, hostage negotiator over here. I, I, I got your one. back, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, this episode was brought to you by our good friends over at Greater Pacific. They're a full service creative agency with ex with experience that comes from thousands of custom projects that completed uh, for clients over the last two decades with uh, expertise, the promotional products and the Advertising Specialties Institute, uh, custom OEM, product design, product or project management, CPSIA compliance, product testing and full service logistics. They've done it all and become more effective with every opportunity. Greater Pacific creates the ultimate manufacturing experience for their clients to so go visit them at greaterpacific.com today and tell them the industry insider sent you and uh, let them know about Nexus. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time, we'll see you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corner's Industry Insider. For more great content from industry thought leaders, including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.